One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Redmen TV. It is the build-up show, Liverpool back from their warm weather break. Uh, I wish we could say the same, it's been freezing here. Um, we're going to talk about, about, about Liverpool, Leicester, Chris Pajak joins me, Andy Grant, special guest, joins us. And, and you know what, Ahmed Gouda joins us, you're also a special guest, okay. you just don't have a book. Yeah, it's um, alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll talk about that a, a little bit later on, but yeah, Chris... As mentioned, they've pulled back from the break. Um, Pochettino's chat about how we're still in four competitions and Liverpool are in Dubai. Uh, that, that kind of blew up in his face. But Good. Yeah, in your face, Poch. Um, but, I mean, that just means that it's on Liverpool now to prove that we've been we've, we've happily bought into the narrative that this is a good thing for Liverpool not to have a fixture pile-up. We sat off at the weekend while, you know, they have cocked things I up in the it, FA Cup. It kind, of, it kind of proves Pochettino's point to, to some extent, doesn't it? Is that, you know, their squad wasn't good enough to fight on four competitions. I don't think ours was either, to be mm. perfectly blunt with you. And I think, you know, we recognised that very, very quickly. Uh, and mm. Klopp, Klopp managed to manufacture a, a, a warm weather break. And I think that he did try to go through against Wolves in the Cup and stuff. But coming back from the break, the worry is... You know, we've seen Klopp take these players on warm weather breaks before and they've not come back firing. Yeah. It's taken a few weeks to see the benefits of it and hopefully it does. It, it happens a little bit faster this time around. It's one of those, isn't it, Andy, where it feels at times like Klopp's teams enjoy pain. They actually enjoy being in the middle in the middle of it in in the fight. And Chris is right. Whether, you know, I haven't done the, the, the research into it, probably should. I should have done, really. Um, but... It does. I I have that feeling too. Like we don't always come back from breaks as, as quick as we should. But realistically, there's no there's no letting up. We've got this. Has got to be one of those things. It's we've got to turn this into a into a positive and kick on for the season. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you say that as well. I had no idea that after a break, maybe we haven't come back firing. But I think it was important for them to go away and have that time. You know, I don't think anyone would doubt that. The other thing I think to notice as well is all this talk on who's spending and the big squads and things like that. I think as a me as a Liverpool fan, we've got a great first eleven and maybe another couple of players, but we haven't got the squads. And anyone's kidding themselves if they're thinking we we can challenge in all four. So again, I was happy that they had the break, and I'm just hoping yet yeah, it it does do what it was meant to and just give them that break, that coming together, because that's what we needed. It, it's a it's a chance for Klopp to get the squad out of their normal environment. I think sometimes you can get you can get a little bogged down with the daily grind of life and whether you're a football player or you you're working in an office or anything, it can become almost boring because they they they're previewing the game, they they're playing the game, they they're having a couple back. of young players as well on the fringe, having them. I'm, I'm presuming they all went away with them as well. That's surely got to be a good thing. I think that's it. We were talking on the podcast last week, Ahmed, about how things like Klopp's 
Klopp's big on this. He's big on refreshing things, you know, like changing the training kit midway through the, the season. So it's just to make the players feel like they're coming back into something. Like it's not, as you say, it's not a slog. Because it is a slog. It is a slog, you know, get, get them, getting them through the season. It's, it's a very long It's a very long time. It doesn't feel like it for us at times. But that's what that's what this has got to be about. And, you know, he said this wasn't like an intensive training session. He's going to talk to money. He's, it, it, it was team building. It was recovery. And it was a bit of work. And I think everyone will come back. The Oxlade Chamberlain stuff is one of the big things to come out of it. He's prop. He's back in training. He's out there on the pitch. He's doing ball work. He's playing with that. That will have give. That's another one of those things that will have given everyone a massive lift. Yeah, I, yeah, I also think it's got something to do with the weather as well. Yeah. Um, you know, with injuries and whatnot coming up. Um, I think the weather can play a big part as well at this time of the period. So I think it's actually a good thing that we went there and we done that training in Dubai. So yeah, I'm quite it's happy just, with that, that. that. That's a balance, isn't it? You know, I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong. You've then got to go back to the, the shock of coming back to this weather when you've been in, you've been chilling in Dubai. And I think and a few a few of the lads, by all accounts, have got an illness because of the change in temperatures and stuff. I know Van Dyke picked up a bit of an illness and Fabinho, nothing too serious. Hopefully, they should be involved in the game. But you know, that that does play a, an important part in it. But the, for me, it's what you mentioned a minute ago. Paul, it's that team building side of things, you know, taking people out of their environment and making sure that, you, you know, you're coming into the business end of the season with one goal mm. for the entire squad. And it's going to be one of those seasons where hopefully, you know, the pressure's going to mount in the end and there's going to be those times where, you know, you sink or swim and hopefully by having these team building moments, yeah. you know, they will know each other that bit better. They'll know what works and, you know. Yeah. Well, it's both, isn't it? It's the team building thing, absolutely. But also, again, the, the, the physical side of things, you know, we, we've been saying this all, all, all season long. We're on the back of a World Cup year, and the big teams who were there, Spurs and Man City in particular, had harder, were more involved in the World Cup than, than this Liverpool squad. That's going to play a factor in the last you know month of the season. This is this was that this was a, 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 a given how important the league is. This has just been a massive opportunity for for Klopp and the fitness team to get everyone together and just you know I mean just put as much. Hopefully, put as much fuel in the tank as possible because you know I, you know, I don't know. I know Chris is a big Formula One fan, but you know it's like you know what what you what you what you stop strategy in this. Well, we've been given a free hit almost. We've been given an extra stop to take on fuel, change tires, and 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 now it's a straight burn to the end of the season. Yeah, well, would you rather them stay? Would you rather them stay? And you know, Leicester stayed. Yeah. So I just at the FA Cup like I'm not going to get into like into slagging the FA Cup because I've, I've had some amazing times in it. But you can see, you can see what happens. We saw a little glimpse of it with the with the Wolves game and the problems you had, you know, with like with Lovren and, and, and what have you. And you can see it with with Tottenham Hotspur and blah blah blah. And I just think, worry about the FA Cup next season. You know, if we want to go and win it next season, go and win it next season. Win it once you've got a league title under your belt. You can worry about the league. Well, the league Cup. That's Man the City big can thing. Do the yeah. league Cup all they want because yeah. they've won league title. The big thing, you know. You're having a bit of banter and some Blues are saying, "Oh, yeah, I thought you were a big team. Shouldn't you want to be winning, winning everything?" Listen, I don't, I'm not bothered about the FA Cup. Mm. I, I want that league. And we're in a position now that we've never been in before. So, whether it's disrespecting the FA Cup or not, me personally, yeah. I, I don't care. Look at, look at Arsenal. Arsenal won the, the FA Cup about three years on the bounce, didn't they? Didn't help Wenger in any way, shape or form. They got exactly. no closer to winning the Premier League for winning the FA Cup. You know, you've got to prioritise at the beginning of the season. And Klopp, I think, is... You know, he's a realist. He'll look at his squad and he'll know the limitations of it. And, you know, we went far in the Champions League last season. 
if you had to rank the competitions, it's Premier League, it's Champions League, it's FA Cup, it's League Cup. And mm-hmm. if you if you don't think your squad's good enough for all four, well, you're not sacking off the Champions League because of the money that goes into it, mm-hmm. and you're certainly not sacking off the Premier League. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is those. We still don't have to be happy about it. I don't want to sit here. I could go. I could put my football purist hat on. And be dead upset that we're not going. You know, we've not gone all out for the FA Cup because it should be an important competition. It, you know, it, it's an English competition. It's the best cup competition in the world. We've got a storied history in there. Remember 1965 and what it meant to win it for the first time. Blah blah blah. Um, the harsh reality is that, and that's why you know it's it's sad to say, and I don't like to say it, but you know we're in a world where guarantee making sure you're in the top four is far more important than winning the FA Cup. You should, you know, you want to be able to engineer both. Let's be let's be honest with one thing. So if we wanted to go further in the FA Cup, we could have. Mm. You know, or we could have made it. We could have gone slightly. Yeah, we could have tried hard yeah, to say it. Correct. Yeah. You know, look at the squad that came out. Look mm. at the replacement for Lovren. So yeah, no, things absolutely. like that. So absolutely. if we did want to go further, we could have. So. Yeah. And, and let's remember as well, regardless of the results of this game, you know, Klopp didn't take them away to Dubai for this one game. You know, he's taken them away to, as you say, recharge the batteries for that run-in for the entire season. Whether you win, lose or draw this game, that didn't change. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about the results over a period of time. Yeah. We could have a dodgy result against Leicester and it would be gutting. But you never know those next games where yeah. we, we might see everyone. What that people's heads would naturally fall off in that. In that, of course, of course they would. But you're right. This, this now is just about. It's not about what we're doing on the on a, on a week to week basis. You know, helps if we win every single game. It's it's where we're going to be come the end of May. Um, well, let's look a little bit more uh, closely at this game. Um, Chris Club Puel don't like him. No. Uh, eight times we faced this side. We've only won twice against them, and they were fortunately. They were the last two games we played, both against Leicester. Um, he is one of those guys, and I can't help but think about like the League Cup semi-finals, that kind of stuff. Did, we, did we play Southampton four times that season and didn't score a goal against them? He's a manager <laughs> that we've we've historically struggled against, and scoring goals has been a bit of a premium against those sides. You know, we know how he likes to set up. We know that Vardy's a little bit of Liverpool's kryptonite, who seems to score every time he plays against us and stuff. So, it will be a very very tough game this for Liverpool, but. You'd fancy that Klopp sort of got over the got over the hump, as it were, with a Claude Puel side now with those last two victories. I think he knows how Puel's going to play against him. I think the four-two-three-one, the possession-based stuff's obviously worked a little bit better than the yeah. the counter-attack and when Leicester aren't coming out at us. I think Andy Leicester are one of those clubs that Klopp's looked at since he's been in England. Probably like a face with a bit of bewilderment and like, and also like a bit of you know appreciation or whatever, yeah. Because they're a team that Liverpool should, you know, you line the two teams up on paper. Liverpool should be beating, should be, should be beating Leicester. But you know, you see Leicester win the league. You see, you see all these things. They've caused us problems. I think they want a bit like Crystal Palace to some extent. They're one of those teams. I don't think he really likes playing, but yeah. the one that he takes very, very, very seriously. Definitely, yeah. But I also think as well, I think teams that um, if they're not already, they will be soon. Changing their view on us, you know those type of teams. You, you maybe Southamptons, your Leicesters, um, thinking, you know, we can get a, we can get a result here at Anfield. You know, Liverpool tend to raise the game for the big teams, but maybe not so much us. And, and can feel that with the likes of Vardy, who's a big game player, yeah. he can they can do something. But I'm starting to feel now clubs are coming here thinking this is a different Liverpool team now. You know, it's not that team that can that will get rolled over by a mid mid league um, side. You know, these are going for the league, and I think. There's just more of a professional way we're doing things that yeah. those teams, although they are bogey teams for us or a bogey manager, I don't know, I just feel personally something's changing and 
they don't feel like bogey teams you know, as as much. Yeah, you know what it is for me? It's that this is Anfield sign that's that's been there in the tunnel for years and years. I don't think that meant too much over the last fifteen years for opposition sides coming out the tunnel. I think there's an aura around that sign in Anfield right now where teams are going out there going, We better not get B three now. Yeah, and it's because of the form, it's now the stats, you know, teams are looking and going, you know, take take away the the three goals we can see the last, but before then it was what we can see is just a handful of goals, and it's, so teams are coming now thinking. Whereas in the past, we're thinking, ah, they don't play great against teams like us. Yeah. They're thinking, we're only going to score one goal potentially here. Yeah, that's it. So, and it's just a different view on things. I'm thinking. So yeah. I don't feel as much bogey teams, bogey managers anymore, and that's purely down to just how Klopp's got us playing at Anfield. No, I agree. The, I can, and the fortress that's that's come again. I completely yeah. agree with that, and, and that's it. I mean, it, it just feels. Different, doesn't it? You know, and inevitably, I, I still carry these lingering fears. I've had, the, I've done the fear conversation so many times, and literally every one of these build-ups because you're only ever a poor performance or a dodgy goal or whatever away from like, oh, you know, you, you sound like you're overconfident or whatever. I don't feel cocky. I don't feel. I just feel, yeah, I just feel a, a great deal more trust in this side than I've probably felt in a Liverpool side almost for my yeah. entire entire life. I'd, I'd say yeah, I trust this team more than any others, but um, Leicester are unpredictable. Yeah, you know. Um, they are like a Crystal Palace, and I do think after this Crystal Palace performance, a lot of teams are going to say, "Hang on, you know something's happened there. Maybe we can go there and get a result." Good, but I think you know? that that, that so, hopefully that's a hopefully that's a good thing because I want uh, you naivety. I'd call that to be perfectly correct, honest. I yeah. want clubs thinking, "Ooh, maybe there's blood in the water. Maybe Liverpool say, oh, maybe we'll try and catch them cold.' Yeah, go for it. Bring it on because I think what what I saw from that Crystal Palace game was not Liverpool conceding three goals. It was the fact that we went. We just flexed our muscles and went and scored the goals that we needed to, to go and do it. And that's something we haven't really had to do this season because we've just been so composed and how we've achieved most and of the And we wins. didn't stop. You know, we kept going. We didn't stop. Even we were at 3-2 uh, or 3-1, 3-2, I think it was. We didn't stop. We kept going. Yeah. So 4-2. Yeah. And we'd lost a man by that point as well. Yeah, we? You know, we scored four second half goals in that game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the last two teams that have scored first mm. at Anfield, the, his name isn't Liverpool, have conceded four goals. It's like, you know what I mean, Arsenal, you know, they angered us and we went and scored four goals and snotted them off the park in the end and Crystal Palace, it was a little bit more difficult and stuff, but this side doesn't know when it's beaten anymore yeah. and it and it plays the full 90 plus minutes now, I think, yeah. you know, in the past we've been, you know, a few years ago, we, we maybe tail off a little bit towards the end of the games and yeah. stuff, now we just keep the throttle down and we just keep on pushing at sides and we, and we I think we truly believe that we're better than sides that we're coming up against. I think there's something too, you know, we, we, we've we seen under Klopp time and time again, uh, us just run out of steam at the back end of seasons and I think particularly now that we're looking at that final, the end is, is inside, it's still a little ways off, but I think there's something too, like the, the attacking side of things, I don't think we've gone flat out this season. I just feel like we've been waiting, and we talk about you see we keep talking about like the long distance runners when the guy like the, you know the, the the guy who's the best in the world and he just you go, well he's not he's not in the picture he's not in the picture and they just pour it on all of a sudden they flick a switch yeah. and they just eight hundred since the go and he's off yeah accelerates and the accelerators the lead and they're gone and you're not and you're not touching them and it feels like we've got that like we've got an afterburner button to press and it it, it could be this one. Um, uh, Andy, the, the the big concern I guess we've got going into this one, we know Gomez had a setback apparently is the, the fractured leg's a little bit more serious, so it's going to be a few more weeks before we get him back. The last picture I well, I saw of Trent was him hopping around in a stone cold Steve Austin style knee brace, which isn't very encouraging. Um, so the right back thing's going to be uh, going to be a thing. We'll, we'll do preferred elevens in a minute, but I think there's there's uh, probably three options we've got there, isn't there? Fabinho, 
Camacho, and I know it's something you mentioned pre-filming, Kiana Hoover is probably a, a, an outside shell for that. Yeah, I mean, is Matip good to go then? Is he? Is he? You'd, imagine so. I mean, I think if yeah, yeah, have Matip then at centre centre back, and I'd, I'd have Fabinho then at right back. But I think if Matip maybe wasn't good to go, I'd give the Dutch kids another go. You know, I know again it's a tricky game. We've just said about Leicester being what they are, but they've just got to get his game in Premier League debut in somewhere. And yeah. I think you know if they've had that good week away in Dubai, you know, and they maybe worked on it, hopefully, and they've had that bonding sessions and. He feels more more in the team then then why not? It is I mean it's a it's a far cry. Isn't it's it? one of those if it works out you think great, well done for throwing him in. If he has a nightmare and we get through, it's like <laughs> he looks you clock's getting thrown under the bus exactly. big time well, on no, that one. But but that's I mean that this is the good thing, isn't it? I mean we're looking at our our solutions to this problem are either Brazilian international or, you know, like hot up and coming talent. It's not I, we're not in the days that we've been in the years gone by where Martin Skirtle goes to to right back, you're playing some just an awkwardly, you know, like awkwardly out, out, of, out of position guy in there. We've got lads who can do it, who they lack experience at the top level, but they don't lack experience of actually playing the position. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, the only thing is, I was, it was pondering on uh, was the next game we got after that, mm -hmm. right? Do we put maybe Fabinho in and we put a strong team in so that when they come in against the next game after that, we still have the same problem with Trent, if we still have the same problem with um, Gomez, you know. We need Fabinho to be strong in that right back position. Oh, that's a, that's so an interesting point. He's going to need to come in, you know, against Man United, against Bayern. I guess. I mean, I guess what, what the thought does he think Milner's? Does he think Mil? I mean, obviously Milner would probably almost guarantee be starting this game if he wasn't suspended, wouldn't he? So maybe I guess that's a, right. a contributing factor. But it's an interesting point: is that you know, if Trent's going to be out for a, is out for a few games, this is an option to get someone up to. Speed. And I think that's why the, the Milner suspension hurts us because I think he thinks that Milner's the right pick for that. I think, you know, we'd have seen Fabinho there instead of James Milner. I think Fabinho's such an integral part of the midfield now. You know, the way that he's playing there and, and how the midfield has come on since he started to perform that you don't want to take him out of there for too many games. But I can see, you know, you're talking about experience. Fabinho, not everyone says, you know, he's the right back for Brazil. I think he's played seven times for Brazil in his career. So it's not like he's played loads, <laughs> yeah. by the way, when everyone says this. Yeah, we've not got Danny Alves on the bench here. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but the one thing that we're looking at Fabinho is it's not that he plays right back for Brazil; it's that he was a right back. Yeah, Monaco mm -hmm. when he was there for a, he went on loan there for a year before they signed him. He was a right back for that entire period, and Monaco changed this position yeah. to be a defensive midfielder. So he's actually well more experienced at right back than people give him credit for. Yeah. to the point where he's played more games at right back in his career than he has at centre midfielder, yeah. and that's that. That's why I would put Fabinho in there. It shows you what a player he is as well. The only thing I think that with that is, like you said, he has become such an integral part of the midfield. Is if are you Klopp then? Would you want to keep him midfield and then maybe give one of the youngsters a go at right back because you do want to keep him in that midfield role? Yeah, it depends that's, when you're looking to beat. Where you, it's it's that eternal balance of it. You're trying to not get beat, but also trying to cause the opposition problems. And are we a better are we a better enterprise for having Fabinho in the middle of the park? And I think probably yeah. And that's for for me. I, Camacho is a is a is a, a real potential for this one. Particularly, I wouldn't like if we were away. If we were going away to Leicester, I wouldn't be putting Camacho in for this one. But and it, it will depend on how they approach this. If they're going to hit us on the counter attack, you've got pace. You know, he's got he's got good recovery pace. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a right back. I think we've had this chat. I don't think he wants to be a right back. I think he wants to be a right winger. So he's going to try and prove that at every given opportunity. But I thought he looked looked good in the Wolves game. You know, he supports attack. He's brave on the ball. Again, he'll have that the backing of the Anfield crowd as well. Like, and he'll have a, he'll be surrounded by good players. 
for the, for the start. That well. Wolves game, Wolves away is a hard game. Yeah. And they both done really well, the two two kids coming in. Yeah. You know, this is at home. I think that's why I'm leaning more towards giving giving one of them a go. Yeah. No, I'm yeah, not I'm think. not too sure to be honest with Camacho. Well, I've seen when Leicester attack, they like to come up that left hand side with mm-hmm. Chua on Barnes. You know, they like to come up and they like to, to, to graze it and they come in. So, yeah, I'm not too sure about Camacho in that right-back position for this game. Mm. I know they attack through the left. For, for me, I, I, I tend to agree with Ahmed because, you know, that Wolves game, or when Camacho was playing right-back, and I know we had Hoover in a centre-half and stuff, and that will skew it, but the midfield changed. You know, when we're used to seeing, and you talk about it all the time, Paul and midfield are dropping into the right-back place when they bomb forwards. But what was happening was Milner was dropping between the centre-halves. Hoover was pushing over to right-back. And that's just not how we play normally. And I think, you know, if you were to put Camacho in there, is that going to be the same pattern? Is no, midfield no, dropping in? Yeah, I, it's, it depends who on your mid, midfield too, I think, made loads easier because depending on the fitness of Genie, you've got two from Wijnaldum, Henderson and Fabinho to pick in a, potentially in a two-man midfield. You've got legs and you've got cover. You've got cover in there, have you? I feel loads more secure about having a, an attacking right-back in this because I think we've got the midfield to handle it. Whereas you're right, Wolves was a shit show because James Milner was doing about five jobs. In that he was he was basically like babysitting three players at the, yeah. at the same that, time. Yeah, you know, I think I don't think playing Fabinho there. He's not he's not Joe Gomez playing right back. If you know what I mean, Joe Gomez is very much a defensive right back, and he probably doesn't bomb on as much as Trent. You know, there's a period around Christmas where Fabinho got two assists in two games from one twos and crosses into the box. Mm. You know, that's the type of midfielder that he yeah. can be, and I think that he would be able to do that from the right back yeah. position as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, I can say it's a, it's it's a problem that we've just presented three pretty decent solutions for, which is uh, again we talk about our squad. You know, we haven't quite gotten the names there that maybe you know a city have, but. You know, and and it's very early days for some of these lads, but it's brilliant to get. And, and it's mad, isn't with. it? Because you know, I've seen Man United play a, a winger at left back for years in in, in um, young, and the, Valencia was a winger, and he was playing right back, and you know, Delph's been playing left I back mean, for Man City fair, and Man stuff United like that. Been shit. No, but <laughs> Delph for Man City. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, these yeah. these lads can do a job in, the, yeah. in these games. Yeah. And good footballers in the situations. I think is you know that that that's what we'll look for, and um, I, I'd be excited when we do that. I, I'm quite I'd be quite excited to see Fabinho do it just to see how he does it because he's been he started to look great in everything that he's, that he's doing for us. Wouldn't mind seeing Keanu Hoover as well because he's, a, he's he's clearly a very very highly rated talent and he's so he's another one so confident on the ball. We saw that wasn't again Camacho. Like Camacho was taking shots on from the edge of the eighteen and not like oh the ball's dropping like no everyone I'm fired I've got this we yeah. spooned it like but he, you know he, he clearly knew as long as he thinks he's Gareth Bale playing fullback <laughs> that's fine like, don't yeah. forget um, don't forget we saw Hoover play with Fabinho in centre back mm? we haven't seen Hoover play with VVD Virgil Virgil yeah, yeah. so I mean, I'd that's going to play playing, you know alongside. <laughs> He could play by himself, he doesn't even need the next centre back with yeah. him. Yeah. You know, that's another way. Maybe we get another forward on the pitch and just leave Virgil with two, two full backs. Let him do it. Um, brilliant, right? We're going to talk about preferred 11s uh, in a little bit before we do. Chris sat down uh, with journalist Chris Bascom on the Newsroom podcast this week. Here's a little clip. They're pretty good shake, Liverpool. I mean, I, I don't really think you're going to see, you know, massive. Big deals constantly now in the way that they de- they needed the Van Dyke deal or they needed the Allison deal done. Mm. Although having said that, you know if, if if somebody huge came along, I think they're in a strong position now to just go and do it and just go okay instead of buying the three this summer, we'll just buy the one. We'll buy seventy five million for him, put him straight in. That's the strength of what they've done now and all these contracts. It's it should actually they spent a lot of money, but 
you're actually... spending this for five years. Exactly. You know, and a lot of the money that has been subsidised by success and players saying, you know, I constantly get wound up now by, you know, this idea, oh, Klopp's just done what City did. Well, he didn't because City didn't have to sell David Silva to buy, you know, the last big, you know, to buy the goalkeeper, did the Edison. Liverpool sold Coutinho against, you know, not wanting to sell him, but it was that money that subsidises yeah. Alisson, really. Alice, I don't think Alisson's here of Coutinho's... Um, Still here. Yeah, Chris, fascinating time as always. It was, mate, honestly. Like, you know, we talk obviously about what's gone on last week and, and stuff like that. And a lot of this video is actually evergreen because we talk about Chris's life and journalism, how that's changed. And get some tasty words to say about Martin Skirtle, which was... Uh, <laughs> he actually attributed Martin Skirtle as the reason that we bought Andy Carroll and Christian Benteke. Hates Martin Skirtle. <laughs> he said, like, you know, we bought them on the back of them beasting us all the time, and it was Skirtle's fault. He was so shit at centre back that we ended up buying Ben Teke and Andy Carroll because he couldn't deal with them. And then you get to the football club and you realise that everyone else has got better centre backs than Martin Skirtle and the shit. Brilliant. I mean, I've never heard that view of, of Martin Skirtle, but it's one that I absolutely back. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, go and check that out. And Chris does the newsroom every single week. Um, sat down with Neil Atkinson from the Anfield after the week before. You've had Melissa Reddy. You've had basically every, every the Northwest Journal worth the salt in at this point and uh, yeah fantastic stuff get over to mntv.com sign up site free month trial and you can get that of course but hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen when I travel I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home and one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain and Airbnb allows me to do that when I was in California recently I rented a house that had a great great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. As we've got Andy Grant in. Um... Once again, thank you very much for, for coming. Thanks for having me. Mate. I, I mean, you'd have come in anyway without having something to promote, of course. Yeah, but, but you have got something to, yeah. to promote. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the obviously you've got the book. Um, it's been out for about is it about a year? It's been out since May, so about six months now on hardback. But it's just come out on the twenty fourth of January on paperback. Yeah, um, just obviously top line. It's a, it's a. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's been pushed towards the Liverpool market, of course, because you're because you're a Liverpool fan. But it's not a Liverpool. No, book. no, yeah, it's um, it's basically just about my life. Yeah, I've just had a. Pretty interesting ten years, and the third of February, funnily enough, is ten years since I was blown up in Afghanistan. So it's it's nice how it's all kind of came Not about. Not the best of anniversaries. Not well, it also. is it is for me because you know it's obviously it could have went a lot differently. Whereas now, <laughs> yeah, whereas now, you know, I'm I just feel like the luckiest man in the world. I've got you know a really nice life now. I've 
things have turned out all right in that sense. And, and that's what the book is about, just detailing what happened to me, being in the Marines, Iraq, Afghanistan, being blown up. I ended up having choosing myself to have the leg amputated about 18 months later. Uh, just for a better quality of life. So what was that? Just so what was that like? So you obviously you 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 but you, you you obviously still had. Still yeah. Had your leg. You were in a coma. For yeah, yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, right? I can't yeah. Just, again. I apologise. It's because it's. You tell it a lot. Don't tell. Yeah. Well, it's just it's yeah it's it's a normal thing for me, isn't it? I guess. But yeah, I mean, I was in the Marines. I joined that seventeen. Served in Iraq, and then it was Afghanistan, and I naively at the time thought Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, similar type of tour, couldn't have been more wrong. You know, Afghanistan was like the Wild West. And we'd been there about four and a half months on a routine foot patrol, one that we'd done hundreds of times before. I was the second man in the patrol and my best mate was leading the way. Half five in the morning, so it's pitch black. He's jumped over this ditch and on the other side of the ditch in between two trees, there was a tripwire. He's obviously, it's pitch black, impossible to see. He's jumped over this. I was the second man ready to jump. He's jumped, hit this wire. Two bombs have went off in between us, blown him forward and blown me back. And I remember the whole thing, funnily enough, Perfect, you know, even 10 years on. It took about 40 minutes or so from that bomb going off to the helicopter picking me up. But just in that one split second, I suffered 27 separate injuries, shrapnel to my face, broken elbow, broken sternum, chunks out both forearms, severed my femoral artery. So they say if you can, if you do anything to your femoral artery, you can bleed to death within, within six minutes. So the guys on the ground had to tourniquet on my leg, save my, save my life. I broke both lower legs, bits missing here and there. And I remember that 40 minutes perfect. They got me onto a helicopter, took me back to Camp Basti in the main hospital, and then placed me into a two-week induced coma. And the next thing I knew was waking up with my dad sitting next to me and I had a good cry with him and told him I was sorry for getting blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. So, Carl, I mean, what, just, I know, it's a bit of a different save what we normally do on the, on the build-up shows, of course. Like, But what's that? I mean, what that, that 40 minutes, because you always... Wonder about it, like what's that like in terms of the, the, the is it like the legit? I mean, it sounds like the most painful thing you can ever have in your life, or is it just something that you it's so painful you don't read you don't register? I always much? try and when I explain it, break it down into three parts. The first 10 minutes was just shock, so I was in no pain, but I just started screaming as loud as I could because I knew it was pitch black, I didn't know whether I'd fell into the ditch or being blown 100 meters away. It was just make as much noise so that the guys knew exactly where I was. Thankfully, I'd only fell back a meter or two. The lads ran to me, and for the next 10 minutes, it was just a lot of me saying, lads, have I still got my arms and legs? I said, yeah, Andy, don't worry. I said, lads, don't lie to me. Have I got my arms and legs? Like, yeah, Andy, don't worry. Like, lads, do not fucking lie to me. Have I still got... <laughs> so that was about for about 10 minutes. They put the morphine into me, but then the next 10 minutes, I was like, there's something seriously wrong with my right leg. Like, the pain was just excruciating. Basically, I'd lost a half of my thigh and I had a tourniquet around my leg. So a tourniquet is like a belt yeah. that they just pulled as tight as they could. And just the pain, it felt like, you know, if you've got like a small kind of um, surface area, but then, and then, you, you know when your dad used to grab your thigh or something as a kid <laughs> and then yeah. squeeze your thigh? It's like that feeling times a million. And it just, it was a dull ache, but also a sharp pain. And it was just the most excruciating pain for about 10, 15 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes or so, Sounds really morbid, but I'd obviously lost a lot of blood at this point, and the guys had done everything they could to save my life, and they're trying to keep me awake. You know that dark humour. They're saying, you know, we had a football tournament going, and they're saying, you know, Andy doesn't look like he'd be top goal scorer anymore, does it? You know, <laughs> they're calling me half a tour, Andy, because I've, you know, I'm, I'm not doing the last six weeks of the tour. Um, they're just trying to keep me entertained, and it got to a point where 
I was obviously close to dying. I mean, who knows how long, maybe another five or ten minutes. And they're saying, um, come on, Andy, keep talking. And I'm getting really tired at this point, and I'm just like, what do you want to talk about? Like, and that's the point where, you know, you feel yourself getting tired and you've obviously not got long left. And thankfully at that point, the helicopter came in and um, just that feeling, that warm, fuzzy feeling I got when I heard the helicopter come in thinking, I'm going to survive. The lads put me on the back of the helicopter and then and that's when I don't really remember anything. Then they yeah. obviously put all the drugs and fluids into me and bloods. And, and then, yeah, two weeks later, I wake up back in England. So the, the title of the book, obviously, you'll never you'll never walk, which is darkly, <laughs> you yeah. know, darkly ironic or whatever. What, that comes about from a ta- from a, the tattoo that you had. So yeah, so I kept the leg at the time, um, but just for me, you know, I was this you know young marine, really fit, loved traveling, playing football, running, and suddenly I had this leg that didn't work, and I thought, you know, I need to take um, take my life, take control of my life again. So I decided to have the leg amputated for a better quality of life, essentially. When I went down to have the leg amputated, again, it was such a weird feeling because <clears throat> you know, no one told me I needed to have it done. It was all down to me. Yeah. So like the night before, I'm in the hotel with my dad and I'm standing there having a pint and I'm thinking, this is the last beer I'm going to have with two legs. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, and no one's what telling me. strange thought that well, is. No one's like, telling yeah. me I have to do it. It's like I'm choosing to chop this leg off. It, it, weird, weird 24 hours go into the hospital the next day, go into the anaesthetist room, and then, yeah, wake up two hours later as an amputee. Now, anyone who, who, who has had an operation, the first thing is, you know, I hope it all went well. I was obviously no different. The surgeon come round a few hours later, he says, Andy, how are you feeling? I said, yeah, I'm good, thanks, doc. You know, please put me out of my misery. Please tell me everything went okay. He says, I've got good and bad news. And straight away, my heart just sinks, thinking, you know, he's had to amputate higher up the leg, there's been complications and what have you. He said, no, listen, good news is the operation went really well. I'm thinking, you know, what could possibly be the bad news then? He says, well, you're a big Liverpool fan, aren't you? I'm thinking, how long have I been asleep for? You know, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? He says, well, on your leg, I got a tattoo when I was 16, a live bird that you'll never walk alone, tattooed on my calf. And he says, you know, you want to run and play football and climb mountains and to do all these things, for me to create a decent stump for you, I've had to pull the skin round from the back of the leg and... I'm sorry, but I've cut off the word alone. So your tattoo now reads, you'll never walk. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the live beard's a little bit like ski whiff now. And yeah, it literally just says, you'll never walk. Again, one of the big things we, we get taught in the Marine, Marines is commando humour. You know, you can either laugh or you can cry, and it's it's just one of those. It's turned out for a good story. And like I say, even 10 years on now, it's still gets a laugh. So it's, um, and yeah, that's so when I told the publishers about the uh, about that, they were like, it's, that's got to be the title for the book. Absolutely, absolutely amazing, mate. Well, like, if you want to get involved and get get more of Andy's story, of course, obviously the book's available now, but you've also got a agmotivation.co.uk, you do public speaking and what have you. And obviously, you've gotten through an ordeal like that and you're able to smile at the end of it, so it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I feel like the luckiest person in the world I get to share my story about. Again, not just all the great times that I've done, there's obviously been some dark times, but I guess through the public speaking, message I try and get across is, you know, you don't need to lose a leg in Afghanistan to realise life can be tough. Yeah. You know, life is hard for us all, you know, whether that's you know, financially living month to month, you know, debts in the family, relationship breakdowns, you know, life is bloody hard sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? And hopefully by reading the book or listening to me speak and hearing my story, people will uh, will realise that, you know, you can get through it and, you know, there is hope. Amazing. So how are you handling the title challenge with all that behind you? Yeah, exactly. Must yeah, seem like a piece point. of piss by, by comparison. <laughs> I spoke to, um, funny enough, again, to do with the book, we've done some work with, um, with Sky and uh, uh, Carragher 
And it's that whole thing. I said, you know, when, when you're allowed to start getting excited, all this kind of acting cool and, oh, yeah, I can deal with pressure well and life's been tough for me, I, I can deal with this. I'm just like everyone else. I want to, you know, my experience in Afghanistan doesn't help me at all when it comes to <laughs> getting excited, believe Less me. Less than I'm at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, still be, I'll be a bag of nerves. Still, don't worry about that. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah, as you say, please do pick up the book and if you get involved, you want to uh, hear more from Andy, uh, then yeah, go onto the website as well. But yes, gents, prefer the 11th time. Ahmed, you have gone... Um, Fabinho right back shock given that you've just been you know bashing that drum for, for, for the start of the show uh, Fabinho massive fans like Robbo Hendo Cater is that? yeah correct Cater's an interesting shout in the midfield we've not really seen him as part of a, a two man midfield yeah I don't see um, Wayne Alden starting mm -hmm. I see him coming onto the pitch for Cater but yeah. I don't see him starting Okay, interesting yeah. one. It's about time, really, isn't it? I mean, I think there was a really interesting piece on the Echo this week, and they talked about how uh, looking at his, his stats going back to Leipzig, how he's just far more effective as a footballer in the middle of the park than he is from from the left and what have you. We're getting to that point now. Klopp's had a bit of time, a bit more time to work with, and we know, as I said, Dubai wasn't super intensive, so it, it might yet be the next break prior to to Munich, of course, but. This could be. This is as good a time as any, I guess. Well, if he can't start this game, which game is going to start? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, true. So, um, yeah, I think he's more effective in the middle of the park. I think he is really one of the only options we have. Mm -hmm. And being that Wayne Alden didn't even uh, take part in the last game, I think we're going to need him. Okay. Okay. I, I agree with Ahmed on that. I want to see Kaita given an opportunity in the centre of the park. I mean, you know, he's a player that Klopp waited for for a year. We've probably been slightly underwhelmed, I would say, at the moment yeah. as a fan base with Naby Keita's performances. And kind of like what Ahmed just said there, you know, he's, at some point he's going to have to start games in the centre of midfield. And it feels to me like this is a good time to do it. Coming back off that break, he'll, Klopp, it might not have been super intensive in terms of the workload, but it might have been time for them to talk about the tactics and what he wants to see from, from Naby in that role. And listen, he's a, he's a fantastic footballer. And we want to see the best out of him at Liverpool. I don't think we're selling him at the end of the year if he has the same yeah. second half of the season as he had first half. You want it, and Klopp wants to get the best out of players. And actually, of all the players in the squad right now, Naby's probably the only one that Klopp's not getting a tune out of mm. to the extent mm. that he is with everybody else. And that probably Naby as well. He, he's one of those players. I'm trying to think of another player I was so looking forward to seeing for a while. Yeah. Another player that you know we we were linked to, and you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to see him. Because like Fabinho, that was a bit of a shock, wasn't yeah. it, when we got him? It was like, oh, nice surprise. Whereas Keita, we've had we've had a year of watching him, thinking this is going to be great. And because he hasn't hit the ground running like we all hoped, I wouldn't say it's an added pressure, but you can. I think just everyone wants him to do well, don't they? Yeah. And it's that kind of. I wonder for him because we, we had this a bit with um, Arigi, didn't we? Because he had another, he had like a year before we, we before we got him in, and it, you don't know how that psychologically impacts you. Do you know? Do you take the foot off the off the pedal a little bit in your own development at the club you were you were at, or? Or is, is he didn't seem to though, did he? Uh, yeah, no, it just but it's you know does the pressure build up in your own head a little bit, you know? Because right, and, and I, I say I think some of this is circumstantial because we you know we changed the formation when he was out injured, so he's a, you know the player the position that he was playing at the start of the season when he that he was growing into and he was doing a decent job and all of a sudden doesn't exist in the in the team that we we play at the moment. But there's a play, there's, there's clearly a player there. I just think it's. I mean, it's good that there's no he doesn't need to perform if you get what I mean. You know, it's not like he's our. Superstar one sign, and like we've had in years ago. Like if Fernando Torres hadn't worked in 2007, yeah. we'd have been like, yeah. "What the hell have we just done?" Like the Andy Carroll thing to some extent, albeit you know Suarez kind of softened the blow with that. He doesn't. There's no like we don't need him to be world class. It would just be 
nice if he started to yeah, live right. live up to the potential a bit. So no in, interest in Chelsea because you went. The I went the exact same bit. team as as, as Ahmed, yeah, for the, for the, for the same reasons. Yeah, uh, and you were a, a little bit different, but you know, for you, obviously, we've discussed like if if Matip's available, you know, could be Hoover or or, or Fabinho right back, and. Uh, you know, it all being fit, Henderson, Genie in the midfield, make sure Shaqiri's in there as well. Yeah, it's interesting what you said before about the World Cup year as well. Makes me think, thankfully we don't have to think like this, but imagine if Holland was in the World Cup and yeah. you think, would Genie have had the season he will have had? Yeah. Ah, yeah. If, you know... So Van Dijk as well, I think about Van Dijk, Dijk, yeah. to get him on the pitch every week. Exactly. He's a bit tired, like... So I think, yeah, Genie, um, hopefully if he's fitting well, I'd, I'd start with him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally I went, um, <laughs> shock Camacho in at right back, Matip van Dijk, Robbo, Henderson, therefore Henderson, Fabinho in the midfield. It's just that thing for me, that balancing act at the moment of the fitness of Wijnaldum. We don't know right now how quite how fit and, and available he is. And what we've got left on the bench as well. You know, I, I, I've not put catering because I could put catering. I just think at the minute it's about, we've had that break, there's no excuses in terms of fitness, put our absolute strongest team out. And I think our strongest team is... It's ten. It's the ten strongest players in the best positions to the best of their ability for being your midfield, and then you make up for right back by having the best team around it. So yeah, I mean, but I, again, who's asked Genie when Alden goes in the midfield? Fabinho goes to right back. Massive shrug. You know, Genie's probably been our best midfielder this season. Fabinho again plays for Brazil. Is an experienced uh, international right back. Yeah, we could do far worse. Um, looking at rival fixtures then. Arsenal take, I don't know why I keep putting these teams in, but Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal take on Cardiff, <laughs> Man United, Burnley, swear to God. Um, Man City travel to Newcastle, I hold no hope there whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so the gap, quite clearly, uh, Andy is going to be down to one point by the time we take on Leicester on Wednesday. Have a little bit of hope with Rafa, come on. Yeah, I know. Well, we've, we've, we do this every week and <laughs> Rafa's let us down a lot so far this season. <laughs> right. The only time Rafa hasn't let us down is, is by turning up to Anfield and getting beat. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, he's been doing the things that he's done to every other team. At least he's been consistent in losing to all of our rivals so far this season. Uh, and the Spurs take on, on Watford, of course. But, uh, you know, as mentioned, because we've had a few weeks where we've been able to put the pressure on Man City. This is, again, this all feeds into this whole thing. Liverpool have had the break. There can be no excuses now. There can't be any, oh, we've got to get back up to speed or we're a bit sluggish because we're not in rhythm etc 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 Man City are going to go and put three points on the board yeah. and then Liverpool need to go and do, do the same and probably another six or seven goals as well because I think if City scored 28 goals and conceded none in the last five five or six I it? mean it, it's yeah. meant I know I know. you can look at the teams that they've played they've and, literally done that thing though to be fair on footy manager where you play your reserves you know you play against oh, a yeah. team of children every week oh, to yeah. get, the, yeah. get to that, 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 that was footy manager that was my last game before the season started I played the unders Get a little bit of confidence in the squad. Ruin, that's Manchester ruin City you, you've set up by having your senior <laughs> players batter them everywhere. Like, but yeah, that's kind of like poor old Bert and Albion have turned up and just been absolutely dicked everywhere. Bless them. But um, yeah, so yeah, hopefully, um, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they've got an overconfidence. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's an interesting one for me. They're all interesting ones. I don't know why I say, it, but because personally, I just think this is one of those games where we just need to get back on it, back on it. Just. I, I, a comfortable I, two two nilla would take me, you know, take I, me to, to, to places where I, need I can't. To be right I now. can't imagine that this is going to be an easy game for Liverpool in any way, shape, or form. I think you know Leicester are a good side. They've got players who've hurt us. Madison's on fire. Vardy always hurts us. 
Uh, it's one of those games where I think Liverpool are just gonna have to manage this one and get through it and try and get try and get a good result. Get back up to speed. Exactly, to and, and you know it might be the next game and the game after where we start to see that football again. All that being said, Andy, let's go with the narrative that Liverpool are all fresh, uh, fresh and refreshed, and, and you know, and, and primed and ready to go. If we could go out there and put a big, you know, rack up a big score, that would re- I think that would set the tone magnificently for this for this runner. Yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident. Everything being said about Leicester, no disrespect to them and the manager, and, and like I say, Vardy. I don't think it's just Liverpool. He always seems to score against the top four. He does yeah. really well. I I think I don't know. I've just got a feeling three or four nil. I think on the back of the uh, Palace game, you know, they need to prove a point. Yeah. Um, the back of the break, you know, and also with that pressure of City probably getting the gap down to, um, to one. Those three things, I think, at home as well. I'm, I'm confident in that they can put on a good performance, but but also get a few goals in as well. Yeah, I think the Crystal Palace thing is a great, uh, it's a great motivational tool, Anad, because they're saying, look, you've got the ability to score this, but if you take your eyes off the ball, that's exactly what's happened. Do you want to have another one of those games? Do you want to be Liverpool from last year or the year before or the year before again? And you'd hope the answer from that squad is a resounding no. We want to be watertight like we've been this season, but also, again, time to flex our muscles and score a few goals. Yeah, definitely. I'm saying maybe 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, like I said before, I think they're a bit unpredictable. I think we've got to be careful. I saw down the left, which is our right. And uh, yeah. that's where we've got our concerns. So, so you go with, if you had to if you had to go for a prediction, you go with with a two 0 I'm one. going with a two 0 I think uh, Liverpool's going to play a bit safe this game, and um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be chasing the goals. We've got the players from the front that can go and get the goals. I don't think our our defense needs to come up. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 interesting looking at Leicester's you know just their form and stuff. They're a bit, a bit all over the place, aren't they? I think they've lost the last three games back to back. But then if you remember back in December. They beat Chelsea and they beat City back to back. You know, I think is their last win against Everton on New Year's <laughs> yeah, Day. Of course it is. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 That was so one, in, one in last, one in five, I think it is. And, you know, we talk about Puel being a bit of a bogey manager, and we know Leicester's a good team, but he's on the brink. Yeah, you know, he, you know, it's, things are not going well for him. There was talk of him getting the boot after the Wolves game uh, last week. They've obviously stuck stuck it out with them. They are, you know, they are fragile. I think if we go out there, we go out strong early on. You'd like to think it'll fit in with how they, how where their heads are at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a mad one, like him losing his job because they're not really in danger of relegation. I don't think they've got a chance of European football, as it were. So, if they were closer to European football, maybe I don't know. Would you sack him to get that little boost? They, they, they're look, just they're in, in middle, that they're they? in that clutch of seventh to twelfth, and they're in there with with Wolves and with. With Bournemouth and those kind of, and, are Everton still and, in that? I think they are. Yeah, they ever in there somewhere, of course. And um, where yet? Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of aimlessly washing around in the middle. They'll get a win and they'll be right up to seventh. But there's now that gap between seven Man United obviously turned and obviously there's like ten points I think between seventh and sixth at this point. So hopefully they just realise that it's just a bit cold. It's a bit hard at the moment. There's no real need to go. Vardy probably needs a rest, so why not just give yeah, him a week off now, isn't he? Like he's yeah. probably got to prep for his presumably his next EDL rally or something. Like probably you, yeah. whatever. Like so, uh, um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I, I'd be perfectly content with a with a with a nice solid two 0 You know, or, you know. A, a late third kind of win, but I would, I think, just because of Man City will put that load that pressure on us, and I keep talking about how how we psychologically impact us. 
I think it would just be brilliant for them to think, well, Liverpool have been waving a bit, they've been seeding a few goals, and we're flying, we're absolutely flying. If we start flying as well, I think City, that's that, that first nail in the... We're going to start to think about Europe. We're going to start to focus on the cups, and we're going to start to think about this. And it's that tough as well because we've talked about it for weeks, haven't we? Where we've played first before Manchester City, yeah. and now with the television stuff that's come out, are we following <clears> them seven of nine in the new television games? And this is obviously the first time we've got to do it for a while. So there's actually probably uh, even more importance on how we react to their result from Tuesday night in our game against Wednesday because yeah. it's going to happen next weekend yeah. when we play Monday night against West Ham, and it happens a few times between now and the end of the season. You don't want Man City sniffing that sort of blood in the water or yeah, whatever, yeah, do you? Yeah. You want them to just think Liverpool are going to win. Oh, every and what game. would you prefer? Would you prefer the playing after them or knowing before. what you've got to do? Sense of relaxation. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, they haven't won a title in 30 years. Just it's one of those, really, it shouldn't really affect you that you know you've just got to go out and win, but obviously it it's does. Not, I don't think it'll affect them. Particularly, maybe you know, maybe if there's a little bit of mental fragility, maybe that's one of those things where if it's nil nil and you you get into like the last fifteen of games, maybe that's where it ramps up because that'll, I think that'll feed from us. I think we're the I think we're the weakness in the, in this football the fans. club right now. Yeah, those are the fans. But saying that though, you know, one thing I've noticed from previous seasons, I always go back to the um, the thirteen fourteen season. In the crowd, it was tense from minute one. Yeah. Whereas now, I think you talk about the impact Van Dijk had on on the rest of the team. I always joke and say the, the impact Van Dijk's had on, on the fans because yeah. you suddenly you're there and you're thinking it's alright if they have a shot or you know they probably get blocked or the keeper will save it and that kind of order yeah. now in the in the ground feels completely different no, to what it's what it's done. And we've seen it in those games, the Arsenal game and the um, the Palace game when we went a goal behind, everyone went a bit. Oh. But then there was just this straight away war yeah. that built yeah. up of like nah. Nah, this is not this is not how this game goes. So you maybe you're right to me, oh, it does feel like something's growing, like we're turning the corner. Just hopefully we just go beat them. We don't have to worry about any of that motivational stuff. Get a couple of goals up in the first fifteen and then just could be nice. Cruise cruise. To um great, thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for subscribing to the YouTube channel. If you want more, of course, get onto the redmentv.com and once again, uh, get onto agmotivation.co.uk for more from Andy. Um and of course do get the book. Absolutely fantastic. Something a bit different. I think you know we've had a lot of authors come on and they tell uh, they have the very Liverpool related stuff. But yeah, obviously a, a brilliant fella with a brilliant story to tell. So yeah, do get involved. Um thank you guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me. Hopefully it continues to be an absolute pleasure with the footy on the pitch. Hopefully Agent Rafa does another number so we can all breathe a little bit. But other than that, let's go smash Leicester, take three points and make sure that we've got a solid gap at the top of the Premier League.